In the name of Jesus, amen. Something that is very sensitive to talk about today is the issue of slavery. You might have heard it about uh, the talks of reparations for African Americans. Whenever we talk about slavery in our country, it is a very big blight on our history, and it's a very sensitive topic to talk about. Yet despite all of the ways and means that we have tried to get rid of slavery in the world, it still exists, unfortunately. If you go to various areas of Asia and the Middle East, you will find people who are in slavery. People who are bound to masters, people who are bound with no freedom, no ability to live life as you and I do here today. And yet, it's something that we can't fully comprehend, can we? Freely you came tonight, freely you'll go. Freely you get to live your life tomorrow and the next day, Lord willing. Freely not bound to any kind of master or authority or dictator. Tonight is Holy Thursday or Maundy Thursday. Maundy means mandatum, commandment. It is a mandate from Jesus. And that mandate is very simply this. Love one another as I have loved you. There are six profound yet maybe overlooked words tonight in your gospel reading. He loved them to the end. Those words might seem a little something that we gloss over, something we don't really think about, but go back for a moment and remember who these disciples were that Jesus loved to the end. They were the ones who had all the questions about Jesus. They were the ones who were in many ways selfish. They were the ones who were rejecting the gospel when Jesus plainly told them, I am going to be crucified and die and rise again. They were the ones who were arguing about who was the greatest. They were trying to figure out where to find food. And when Jesus says to them, you know the way, they argue with him, Lord, we don't tell us the way as it is. Later this night, as you will see vividly at the end of this service, you'll notice what Jesus experiences with his disciples. He has his Passover meal. He has the institution of his Lord's Supper the last will and testament that he gives to them before he dies. And it's fascinating because in the midst of all of this, Satan is at work in the heart of Judas. And yet Jesus doesn't cast out Judas. He doesn't cast out Satan. He just keeps his eyes on the prize, which is you, by the way. Jesus goes through betrayal for money denying Jesus' own words of, you cannot serve God and money. Later on in the Garden of Gethsemane, Jesus' own disciples will fall asleep as he's being crushed in his prayers. As he's betrayed and then arrested, his disciples run away, even running away naked without any kind of shame 
rather than being seen. Tomorrow night, you're going to hear very famously even how the chief disciple Peter denies Jesus three different times. And the last time as he's questioned by a teenage girl, he curses himself rather than acknowledging Jesus. And yet he's the one who said, I will defend you to the end. John says he loved them to the end. Despite the three-year ministry of Jesus dealing with the ups and downs of the disciples, he goes to the greatest end of love for the disciples. And he does that for you and for me. But there's something rather interesting about what you heard tonight. In the old rabbinic ways, the Old Testament ways, if you had a rabbi, a teacher, a leader, and you were one who sat at the feet of the rabbi, you were taught, you followed him around, you were actually considered to be slaves to the rabbi. That'd be like you sitting here today, tonight and being slaves to me. you might say. <laughs> Doors open, go ahead, right? No, we don't think this way. I was talking to Pastor Leach today after the noon service, and he said, in New York City, he said, the Hasidic Jews have this mentality. Their rabbi is seen as a messianic figure, and they'll put up posters and banners of the person's image, and they will do anything for their rabbi. The disciples are Jesus' followers. He is their Lord and he's also their rabbi. But you'll notice that Jesus doesn't call them slaves. He doesn't sit there and look at them and say, what are you going to do to serve me? How are you going to live the better life? No. Rather than being the master... Rather than being the great authority figure, Jesus is the one who becomes the slave to his disciples. And that's how I want you to view Jesus and how he views you. You are no longer a slave to sin. Those who are slaves to sin are bound up in sin. Paul says very clearly, those who sin are bound up and wound up with the chains to sin. But Jesus also is not somebody who looks at you and says, try to do better, try to act better, try to talk better, try to do all of these things better, because you know we cannot do it. And I think sometimes that is the bad rap that we get as Christians that Jesus is our slave master, that Jesus is the one who's teaching us how to act better and to be better, and that we go out into the world and that we're pious Christians who act better, think things better, show all these things better, as we should, but in so many ways that we act like we're just following our master. That's not the case. Flip it around. God works in opposites. He is the slave to you. That does not mean you can tell him what to do and have be the master over him and say, get with the program, but he is the one who is bound to show you this love 
that John talks about tonight. It's easy to knock down the disciples. Idiots, fools, why couldn't they see what Jesus was doing? Can't you understand what he's saying? He is true God and true man. He's the savior of the world. But for us now, Jesus looks at you and me tonight and he has a question for you. Who do you say that I am? How do you acknowledge Jesus publicly in your words and your deeds? He tells us as well, everyone who acknowledges me before men, I also will acknowledge before my Father who is in heaven. But whoever denies me before men, I will also deny my Father before my Father who is in heaven. I cannot tell you how many times as a pastor, standing up here in my area that makes me feel a little taller than I am, I cannot tell you how many times I have passively been the one who denies Jesus by passively ignoring the invitation to others. How many times I've stamped down the hope that, Paul ta or that Peter talks about that resides within me. How many times as a pastor I have gotten lazy with inviting others to this place, with speaking the freedom of the gospel. I cannot tell you how many times I have been so neglect in speaking God's word without an invitation, without wanting to immerse myself in the lives of those who are broken or in need. I just need to speak the word and hopefully it sticks and then I can go back to my office. How many times have I acted like I will go to the greatest lengths of following Jesus? Here I am up here tonight, got a bunch of services this week, and yet I am nothing but a whitewashed tomb. Who do you say I am? Where do you stand? The church should be asking the same questions. We have it all just like the disciples, don't we? Questions, selfishness, rejecting the gospel, the true gospel of his death and resurrection, arguing who is the greatest. You guys don't do that, do you? Absolutely. Trying to figure out why we can't get our way and ignoring the many, many needs of our neighbors. Go back to the slave who loves the disciples to the end and who loves you to the end. This day is about Jesus establishing his last will and testament. As often as we eat this bread and drink this cup, we proclaim the Lord's death until he comes. He has loved you by his words of forgiveness and he shows and gives that love to you tonight at this very altar. I will go to the altar of God, the God of my exceeding joy we started with here tonight. And his love has been poured out freely by his blood as he has sacrificed himself as a slave who knew no sin, who came not to be served, but rather to serve and give his life as a ransom. He does all of that and then turns around and says, this is my body, this is my blood given for you. Even in death, he's serving you and me. 
And so as you come to this table tonight, the benefits of his love are given to you. He loves you through this meal. And through this meal, you receive his love. He loved them to the end. He loves you to the end. And the love that you receive through word and sacrament here tonight is this. It's the love that is patient and kind. It's the love that does not envy or boast. It is not arrogant or rude. It does not insist on its own way. It is not irritable or resentful. It does not rejoice at wrongdoing but rejoices with truth. This is the love that bears all things, believes all things, hopes all things, endures all things. This is the love that never ends. So now faith, hope, and love abide, these three, but the greatest of these is love. Tonight his love is given to you and it will be given to you always. Because he is a slave to you to seek you out where you are at in life, no matter where you are at in life, that he may pick you up and cleanse you and make you clean and feed you. He is your good shepherd who will pursue you faithfully. He who is faithfully will do it, and he has. He will pursue you all the days of your life to give you goodness and mercy and to set this table before you in the presence of your enemies, of sin, of death, and the devil. He does not tell you to be obedient here tonight to receive this. He shows you his obedience to you so that you may be forgiven and loved and even restored and transformed. Luther says that as we now receive his body and blood and we receive all the blessings and benefits of life and salvation, you go out there. But you don't go out as moralistic, pious, holy Christians acting better than everybody else. Luther says you go out as little Christs, as salt and light You go out in faith and love for the world. My goodness, how many people need love today and mercy. And by this meal, his body becomes one with your body. And by this meal, his blood now pulses through your veins. It is now no longer I who live, but Christ who lives in me. But this life now is not given to say, here we are, God, look at us, we're all good, we're all good. This blessing and benefit, this love and this life are meant to be given out freely in the service of your neighbor. He does it. He will continue to do it. Taste and see that the Lord is good. Come receive this 2,000-year-old meal in your midst. At this table, his love never ends for you. His forgiveness, his strengthening of his body and blood now are given to you, all so that you may leave in great confidence and hope that you are forgiven and restored and that he will always love you to the end. To Christ alone be the glory forever and ever. Amen.